and yet it's not just on that. I believe God is really talking to me about something. So for the next several weeks, I want to speak to us and to whomever will listen to this message on the single topic of holiness. We don't hear a lot about that today. And I understand why we don't hear about holiness in the world, because they have no clue what it's about. But we need to hear about it in God's house. So today I want to speak on where does holiness begin? Because while I believe it's one of the most vital aspects of our Christian walk, it's also, from my experience, been one of the most misunderstood. First Peter chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse number 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Peter there in verse 16 is quoting from Leviticus chapter 11, God's instructions to the people of Israel. That word holy literally means sacred, pure, morally blameless, consecrated. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, where I will read a very familiar portion of scripture. Jesus has gathered his disciples and they've asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. How many know it doesn't require a PhD from a seminary to know how to pray? That's just talking to God and listening to God. In this manner, verse number 9 of Matthew 6, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. That word hallowed is from the same root word back in the original language as back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Sacred, holy, pure, consecrated. Holiness is one of the most important subjects that the church has. Because of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, we're actually being given a command, not a suggestion. Be holy, therefore, as I am holy. It's a call to action. Peter says, don't follow what you used to do. Don't follow the former lust. And in case we've been saved so long that we forgot what it was like not being saved and being in the world, just look around you. You see, we believe that there is right and wrong, unlike our culture. We believe there are things you should do and things you shouldn't do, unlike our culture. We do not have the attitude anything goes. We are called to live a holy life, a pure life, 
a moral life, a consecrated life. This not only is our call, from 1 Peter we learn it needs to be our desire. Since holiness is so important, I believe we need to understand it. What are the requirements regarding living a holy life? What are the benefits? Is there any benefit to living a holy life? And what are the dangers of not living a holy life? So where does this all start? So glad you asked. Where does it begin for Christians? Where does holiness begin? Is holiness just a set of rules? Is it simply knowing and doing right instead of wrong? Is it simply following a set of behavioral guidelines that match up with the word of God? Is it possible to do all the right things, to say all the right words, to follow all the right behavioral guidelines and not be holy? I submit holiness begins with God. In this prayer, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, we're given a model. Now, what he's given us is guidelines in chapter 6. I don't necessarily believe it's that you just pray this prayer and something magical happens, although there, this is scripture, so I have no problem repeating it. But it begins with a statement of how we approach God, our Father in heaven. Aren't you glad you have a good Father who's in heaven today? He is a good, good father, as we often sing. He is our father. He is my father. He is your father who resides in heaven over everything. It is then followed by a number of petitions. Aren't you glad it's okay to come to God with what you got going on in life? Aren't you glad it's okay to, say, to come to your heavenly father and say, Daddy, I have a need. It's okay to come to God with requests. Some that are listed there are, we ask him to give us our daily bread. We acknowledge God as our provider. We ask him to forgive us our sins because we acknowledge that even after giving him our hearts, we're still, for the most part, a mess. Y'all can say amen to that. Because we're all a mess. And it's okay to come to him. In fact, I would think it's preferable to come to him and to ask him, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not in this way. Help me see the guidelines you provide in your word. Help me to listen to your spirit. Help me to connect with you in prayer to know where I should go, what I shouldn't go, where I should be, where I shouldn't be, the relationships I should have and the relationships I shouldn't have. Lead us not into temptation. Now, most would say that the very first petition of this prayer is your kingdom come. Now, that's a good petition because not only are we a mess, but look around you. This world's a mess. So, Lord, if you want to bring your kingdom now, I am perfectly okay with that. Yet, that's not the first petition. The actual first petition is where I'm going to park for most of today. 
The first thing being requested, the first thing being desired is in the verse above it. It is where holiness begins. Hallowed be your name. Notice it doesn't say hallowed is your name. This is not part of an address. Something being asked for here. Something is being asked for here. Lord, let your name be hallowed. Let your name be revered. Let your name be respected. You and I live in a culture where the name of God is not hallowed. It is not respected. It is not revered. And holiness begins with an understanding, with an realization, with an awareness of that holy is your name. We talk so much about the power of his name and how special his name is and what happens at the mention of his name. We know that there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. We study in the book of Acts and I preach from it how at the name of Jesus, people are healed. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. The early church was founded in his name and the church today needs to be founded or it is useless unless it is founded in his name. And all that is true because where his name is not hallowed or seen as holy, his kingdom does not come. He will not, his will is not done as on earth as it is in heaven where his name is not seen as holy. Provision is blocked when his name is not seen as holy. Forgiveness and fellowship suffer and become tainted where his name is not holy. All this happens where his name is revered as holy. So the questions we need to start asking ourselves is, is God hallowed in my everyday life? Is his name treated as holy? It's real easy to look at the world around us and the culture around us and say, people don't respect the name of God today. But I get it. I, I understand why they don't. What I don't get is when Christians don't. Is God's name hallowed in my home? Is God's name hallowed in my relationships? Is God's name hallowed? made holy in my decisions, especially the major ones, but even in the small ones, my desire, the desire for the people of God needs to be, if we're going to get to that place where we want to see God move in miraculous ways, Lord, hallowed be your name. That's not the desire of the world. In the world, his name is a swear word, a curse word. But I even see God's people kind of throw his name around. People don't honor his name, don't revere his name. And people definitely today don't fear his name. We are God's people and we're called by God's name. Therefore, we need to be holy and that holiness begins with his name, realizing how beautiful it is.
the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. I was at a men's fellowship uh, last week on a Saturday at another church I had been asked to speak. And there are a bunch of guys there, and I sat down. We had some food before I spoke, and I was sitting across from one of the guys, and I was getting to know them, and I asked him what his name was. And he said, my name is Jesus. And I thought, wow, that's pretty proud. No, he was Spanish, and his name was Jesus. And I thought, what a beautiful name to have. Maybe I can go back in time and ask my parents to name me Jesus. What, what an awesome thing to walk through life with a beautiful name. Now, there are so many people who would think, well, it's awkward. There are so many people who would think, well, it's a little clumsy. Well, there are so many people who would think, well, then it's going to lead you in a certain way. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. And then we had a wonderful conversation. But what a wonderful name it is. At the name of Jesus, demons flee. They tremble at his name. At the name of Jesus, people are healed. At the name of Jesus, miraculous, supernatural provision is provided. At the name of Jesus, doors are open that no man can open, and doors are closed that no man better try to open. It's at the name of Jesus. Like a a chorus we sing, moves the highest mountain. The name of Jesus calms the stormy sea. Anyone got any stormy seas in your life? Anyone need some things to calm down and to not be so hectic and not be so troublesome and not be so off the wall? It happens at the name of Jesus. You know, there are over 45 references in the Psalms about God's name. Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Let those who love his name. It doesn't matter to me what the world thinks about his name. I'm going to not only stand by his name, I'm going to proclaim how much I adore the name of God. Psalm 8, verse 9, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Psalm 9, verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 52, verse 9, I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. Now, let's be honest, as Christians, especially Pentecostal Christians, we have no problem praising God's name. We have no problem adoring his name. We have no problem loving his name. Waiting on his name, that's something else. Because waiting on his name means waiting. 
means you don't get things in the timing that you and I believe they should be in. We don't have things happen in the order in which they should be. But how many know there is a blessing, there is a joy, there is a benefit in waiting on his name? Psalm 74, verse 18, remember this, that the enemy has reproached, O Lord, and that a foolish people have blasphemed your name. When I see someone blaspheming his name or misusing his name, yes, it upsets me, but above being angry or upset, I feel sad because I'm looking at someone who doesn't understand what they're doing with the most powerful name, the most powerful word in all of creation. The foolish people have blasphemed your name. Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I can't expect the world to respect and fear and be in awe of Jesus if I'm not. I need to lead the way. Jesus is not a swear word. He's the name above all names. He is the great one. And it is by that name that I have eternal life in him. Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. I will extol you, my God, O king. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever how many know forever and ever is a long time and that's how long his name will be special all of these new ideas and new philosophies and new ways of doing things and new ways of trying things they will pass away but the name of jesus will abide forever it will endure throughout all eternity that's how special that name is holiness as a church, we'll begin with holiness as individuals. And holiness in our, in our individual lives begins with his name. What his name means to me. I want to praise his name. I want to honor his name. I want to honor his ways. I want to revere and respect his name. Lord, use me to bring glory to your name. Lord, use me to bring respect to your name. Lord, use me to bring praise to your name. So before we start diving into all the do's and don'ts of holiness that church life has created over centuries, we need to understand where holiness begins. It begins with a name our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed is your name. There needs to be a hush in our heart at the name of Jesus. It begins with your name, which is holy in all the earth. But Hiram, that, that's good for you. That's your way of living. But that's not how I see life. You live your way, and I'll live mine. Only problem with that 
is I can't take the words out of the Bible in all the earth. And unless you are from another planet, all the earth means all the earth. The name of Jesus is and needs to be holy in all the earth. The name of God needs to be respected and given reverence in all the earth. All creation give praise to his name. And we'll talk about next week a man who came face to face with the holiness of God in Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a good man. The Bible proclaims him he was respected among his people, and he was considered a righteous man and an example to follow, very atypical of most of the prophets. Yet, with a good man, with a good reputation, with a good following, with people who respected him and loved him, when he stood before God, he said, I'm unclean. When he stood in God's presence, he said, I am undone and in the midst of people who are undone. Because he understood the holiness of God. I want us to take in from this entire series of messages that God has placed on my heart that we as God's people need to start giving God's name respect, giving God's name reverence, seeing God's name as holy, as holy, because things happen at the mention of his name. Things, things change at the mention of his name. How do I know? We're all here. Each one of us is here because of the mention of his name. People here have been healed at the mention of his name. People we've been provided for through a global pandemic at the mention of his name. We have seen people come back to the Lord at the mention of his name. There's power. In the, at the mention of his name, the impossible, the unthinkable happens at the mention of his name. You got something you're praying for that seems crazy. Lord, I'm praying for someone, but they are so far from God. They are so far. They want nothing to do with Jesus. But I'm going to pray for them, but... You know, Lord, if they don't get saved, I realize that was a tough one for you. There's nothing that's impossible for his name. If the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was not too hard for God, the enemy of the church, one who was standing over and pursuing the death of people who believed in that name. And yet God met him on a road. And like he needed to do with so many of us, knocked him off a high horse. And then mentioned the name. The name of Jesus changed Saul to Paul. The name of Jesus took Peter, who was overzealous, ready to cut people's ears off in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
yet running and hiding when a young servant girl mentions, weren't you with him? Yet on the day of Pentecost stands up and preaches like no Pentecostal preacher ever has. Where thousands got saved because Peter was special. No, it was the mention of his name. Church, we need to recapture the awe of how special, of what can happen at the mention of the name of Jesus. Because that's, that's where holiness begins, with the name of God. Stand with me, please.